Alrighty, welcome back to Rewind Replays. Uh, this episode is kind of a little bit of a special one because we're doing a franchise. Yes, we are. Um, this is one that I think is kind of close to both of us because uh, we watched it as kids. And um, I'll go ahead and just say it's the Toy Story franchise. Um, we, we, I kind of suggested this to Hayden because the fourth one came out last year and I think it's, it finally got put on Disney Plus a few months ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was like, yeah, I think this would be a good one to do to kind of see how it still holds up from our childhood and stuff, go through all four movies and, uh, give our, uh, opinions and ratings on them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think this one will be a fun one for everyone to listen to. I think it'll be kind of in the vein of Shrek yeah. in a way, cause everyone has a familiarity with both of these. Uh, so I guess we'll go, in, uh, go ahead and jump on into the first movie. Yeah. So Toy Story 1, as a lot of people know, was revolutionary when it had come out in the 90s and stuff because um, not a lot of companies were big on taking a chance on CGI animated films. And so John Lasseter at the time had the very small company of Pixar, and he had only made like really small independent projects and stuff, mostly commercials for corporations and stuff. Uh, a, lot of, uh, a lot of people know that the uh, little light lamp that bounces on the ball was like the first animation they ever made in CG and yeah extremely dated but kind of revolutionary for what it was but uh, they had made an Oscar winning short film called Tin Toy at some point and this is what got the attention of Michael Eisner and uh, the current CEO of DreamWorks um, he, his name escapes me right now but um, anyways uh, di- Michael Eisner was like hey I want to see if we can make a full length CG movie and we will give you any like small budget that you think would work for it so obviously John Laster said yes Pixar went to work for Disney and went on to make a ton of movies for the Disney company, and Disney ended up buying Pixar at some point, but Lasseter was still the CEO until the allegations came out. But, um, yes, this was pretty big, Toy Story, because it is the first CGI movie in history. It was kind of, uh, like I said, revolutionary in the 90s. I think it won the Oscar, obviously. I think a lot of people were blown away by what this little movie did. And I gotta say, I really do enjoy the first Toy Story. I pretty much enjoyed the franchise. It's like the one Pixar franchise franchise that stayed consistent all the way through i don't know about you but what do you think of the toy story franchise uh the franchise so i haven't seen the fourth one at all yeah uh the or i hadn't seen it all in, uh, until we just started doing this podcast i should say the third one uh had been a few years since i've seen and then the first and second one i have a pretty uh decent memory of mm-hmm. uh for the most part i i I think as a kid, I really, I did like the, or I guess it was still young when it came out. The third one, I liked it when it came out. Mm -hmm. I know a lot of people were saying it was um, a good ending to the franchise. And then the fourth one got made and everyone was like, ah, this again. But um, from what I can tell, it's a, uh, you liked it. Yeah, it's it's hard for me to say that I would have wanted it anyways, but I didn't really think that it was necessary because it's more of like a Woody character ending more than it is an actual Toy Story movie. So the movie could have been called Woody? It could have obviously just been called Woody. It didn't need the tagline Toy Story 4, but um, that's kind of the thing that made me a little iffy on the franchise was that uh, over the past few months I've kind of thought is Toy Story 4 really necessary? And when I rewatch it again, maybe you and I will go over, do we think it's necessary? Do we think this could have been better as just a Woody standalone film? Kind of like uh, how the MCU standalone films for their characters and stuff yeah like yeah Yeah. like obviously that'll be a debate when we get to it but we're gonna start with toy story one uh so obviously this one came out in the 90s like i said won the oscar pretty revolutionary so it is about woody played by tom hanks and he is andy's favorite toy and he is kind of the head honcho of the toys and stuff and he loves being andy's favorite toy until buzz lightyear is brought one day during a birthday party and is showing off all the cool gizmos and gadgets that he has because he 
he's a space toy. And obviously, Andy starts to grow more of a favoritism towards Buzz that Woody gets really mad about. Yeah. And so the two of them go at it. Woody ends up knocking Buzz out of the window. Everybody turns on him. And the two of them have to kind of work aside their differences and learn to live under the same household and stuff. Yeah. While Buzz also has to come with term, uh, come to terms that he is not an actual space ranger. He is toy. yeah a toy. A child's plaything. Yeah. And so what I got to say right out the gate is I still love like the first 10 minutes of this movie with Andy playing like role playing with each of the toys and stuff. Yeah. I think that's really nice. I especially love the Randy uh, Newman. You've got a friend of me that plays yeah. afterwards and stuff. The sequence of Andy and Woody just hanging out. It kind of sets the tone that obviously like Andy's obsessed with cowboy things. So Woody would obviously be the favorite one. So Woody throughout a majority of the first act of this movie walks with a sense of cockiness. Like he is the hottest toy in the room, which yeah. at first they try to make him almost unlikable because they want you to kind of be like, oh, this dude needs to get knocked down a peg because like Rex tries to scare him at one point. He's not really scared, kind of pr uh, like brushes it off and stuff. Yeah. And you kind of get that sense that Woody is a little cocky. He's never had any competition in his life. Yeah, he, and uh, the other thing is he's also a leader for like, all is, of the yes. toys. He's like the ones like, oh, and he's gone. Everyone come out and stuff. And uh, he's... He's like he's acting like a friend towards everyone, but you can tell that he's kind of like the head honcho, so he can act like it, and everyone will believe him. Yeah. Uh, but really, he's kind of just like Andy's favorite toy, so he knows that he's gonna get favoritism amongst the toys, anyways. That is very true, and so um, yeah. So the movie does set the whole president of the world and stuff, and this movie does better than what a lot of movies uh, try to do, where like Cars as a franchise is so conceptually bad that they can't even explain what's going on with the cars in that universe. But this movie is very straightforward. So what is the toy's purpose? To get played with. Obviously, that is the entire thing that they want. Uh, and this movie also explores what happens when a new favorite toy comes in. What happens if a toy is broken the entire franchise has basically gone over like elements of toys but the first one is all about favoritism obviously what happens when the favorite toy gets replaced yeah, favoritism and i would say also jealousy yeah jealousy too and so that's one of the neat things the theme is obviously old versus new Woody's very old school, he's a doll from the 50s, and Buzz is the new Space Ranger hot sci-fi toy. So, yeah. obviously, old versus new is one of the bigger themes of this movie. When Buzz first gets introduced, I've always liked it, because he shoots the laser at Woody, and it's not working and stuff, and everybody's like, oh, uh, well, he's got a laser, do you have a laser? And he's like, it's not, yeah. it's just a light bulb that blinks. And so, everybody is impressed by Buzz, and then Buzz does the little sequence where he does the tricks and turns to get them all impressed. And, obviously, this starts the precedent that uh, Buzz is going to be the new favorite toy, and I yeah. love the Strange Things Are Happening song that plays as you see the room transition away more from obviously Woody-centered and cowboy-centered things to now it's all Buzz-related. And that's yeah. pretty great transition. It kind of shows that the cocky Woody we had at the beginning is now more mortal because he's no longer the favorite. Yeah, uh, it, it definitely, uh, the development of, um, like, the process of Buzz becoming the favorite and everything, that's really... Uh, well done because it just it's it's it is the transition of a song almost like a music video in a way yeah. um uh woody you can definitely see that he's like destroyed oh he is by not being buzz's or by not being andy's favorite anymore yeah uh which it in a way kind of gives a, a sense of uh satisfaction but as it goes on you're like oh this genuinely you start to feel bad for yeah. him and stuff um so anyways after a while woody just starts picking on buzz like he does the buzz looking alien where and he turns around yeah. and he's messing with them and obviously uh at some point woody kind of just snaps and has this whole plan to orchestrate him going out the window and so obviously once it comes to fruition he's like oh everybody's gonna be well I was oh, go say, ahead, go ahead. Uh, the, he's he doesn't initially want him to go out the window. He wants yeah. him to go behind the uh, the um, shelf, shelf, yeah. the uh, 
so he wants he's initially trying to get him to get knocked behind that but that plan ends up uh, firing back and getting him knocked out the window. Yeah. Which I think he initially does feel bad for. Yeah. He tries to explain himself. Yeah. And, like, uh, at first he is trying to get back into the leader position. Like, oh, no, we got to find Buzz and stuff. And then everybody turns on him. And Potato Head's like, what are you going to do? What are you going to knock me out of the window next? And so they all turn on him, obviously. And I think it was Andy's going to Pizza Planet. Yeah. And Buzz is in the car, obviously. And so Woody goes after him. And uh, the two of them ride together in the fun sequence that is um and then the two of them are at the pizza planet obviously that's a fun sequence because they're in the claw and sid is there which we'll get into sid in a minute because this kid is pretty bratty and horrible but um anyways uh the claw machine with the aliens obviously they worship it like a god uh they get selected obviously by sid and uh what i also love about it which i guess we kind of skipped over was the sequence where woody yells at buzz you are a toy trying to get it across to him because buzz is a moron the majority of the film he still thinks he's a space ranger and there's uh, this has always been my favorite moment because it's like the moment Woody finally snaps after Buzz goes through this whole monologue about his backstory and Woody just screams, you are a toy. And he tries to get it. A child's plaything. And so he tries to get it through his thick skull, but it doesn't work. But obviously after Sid gets them, the movie takes a much darker turn. And this is where it starts to show like the bad kids, obviously. Andy's good place with his toys, but Sid is more destructive. He destroys his toys and then they get rebuilt into horrifying images and stuff. And, uh, you get that perspective that life could be worse for these two. They could appreciate that they have a kid that's nice to them and not Sid. So uh, what I got to say about Sid is I kind of like him. I mean, he's not always been... He's a good first villain. Yeah, he's a good first villain because he represents the more brattier kids that don't really care about toys. They just want to blow them up, do cool stuff with them, but uh, they don't care about taking care of or valuing the toys that they have. And so Sid is obviously like, oh, so uh, I got this bottle rocket and I'm going to attach the spaceman to it and stuff. And so the majority of the movie you see, he takes his little sister's doll and puts the pterodactyl head on it, which was kind of funny. Uh, But other than that, like you start to see throughout the movie that the two of them are slowly starting to come to terms with, hey, life could be a lot worse, and Woody starts to feel a lot more regret. Um, But the most emotional scene in the movie, and probably the highlight, is when Buzz sees the commercial for uh, him on TV, and it breaks him, because, you know, he thinks, oh, I'm still, yeah, he he thinks that, oh, I can't be a toy, I am a space ranger, so he goes to the banister, jumps, and breaks. And it's really sad, the Randy Newman song that accompanies it, and then he has, like, a mental snap, which I think really kind of plays in, because a lot of the movie built up to that, and he becomes Miss Muppet, who is at a tea party, and I think that's one of the most funny sequences in the movie. Isn't it Miss Nibbets or something? Could be, who knows? I can't remember. I just know that it it, it is supposed to be, like, a heartbreaking scene, but it's also, like, really funny, because it's just Tim Allen just acting really goofy, and... Uh, playing this just silly character, and I, I can't get past that. I, I, I did find that part funny. And it, it wasn't like a normal kids' movie where it was like played up for laughs, so yeah. he wasn't like being like, yeah, it was just like he's uh, broken, he's saying kind of dumb things, yeah, because he's mentally snapped from the fact yeah. that he's not a space ranger. So, uh, after that is where the movie finally gets into the old verse new finally coming together because, you know, Woody apologizes to Buzz and stuff and he says, you get to go back and be Andy's favorite and all of that. And he's kind of come to terms with the fact that Andy may not like him anymore. And he's fine with that. He shouldn't have been as jealous. Yeah. And Buzz at the same time is kind of, you know, regretful because he was strong headed. He came in and wanted to take over Woody's domain and he feels bad for 
it, obviously. But um, the last sequence of this movie, which I kind of love, the toys turning on Sid, uh, orchestrated really well. Um, yeah. I love the fact that it turns into like a horror movie scenario where they're coming out of the sandbox and some of them are like so deformed that they just start walking. It's kind of like Sid. a zombie movie. Yeah, almost. and Woody does the head turn is like so play nice, and Sid yeah. freaks out, is traumatized, and then his sister torches him. Obviously, that's good comeuppance. She, she's walking in with her like little stuffed. Uh, yeah almost annabelle type doll yeah um <laughs> yeah and then of course the subplot that was happening in the movie a majority of uh the movie was that andy was moving houses and so that comes back they have to get their way back there they use the rc car and they get chased by buster sid's dog and yeah. it's a fun final sequence obviously they end up reuniting and the movie ends with the two of them being chums it ends with the the dog buster obviously getting revealed at the ending but it, it is a very good first movie again like we said the themes of it are very strong the whole old new a lot of it is about jealousy a lot of it is about being replaced as the favorite and it does a lot of concepts of toys very very well because yeah. i think why this movie is held up better than most franchises like cars and a bunch of other is because they actually know how to explain the universe they know how to convey it world build like here are the different scenarios toys can be in here's actually how toys feel when the new favorite comes in like it it does so many things like that better than again like i said Pixar did Cars, or even at times like the DreamWorks films don't do very good world building outside of Shrek. So it, it's pretty interesting to look at this movie and go, it does so many things right, and a lot of yes. like future movies could benefit from learning from how Toy Story sets up the world building, sets up the universe. Because say you want to make a high dollar franchise and you don't know how to set up characterization or even the concept around the things that you're using then you're going to falter. So look yep. to Toy Story. I've always said this is like the golden child of standards for like toy-related movies or even product-related movies yep. because this is the best way to do it. Yeah, and I would say this movie also uh, definitely achieves the goal of staying timeless Yeah. because uh, obviously this was made before like we had touch uh, screen cell phones and stuff, mm -hmm. but like there's nothing really in it that makes you uh, think, oh, this is... Uh, 1950 or makes you think that oh this is uh, yeah. 2010 or anything mm -hmm. it, it's very much a timeless feeling movie uh, which I think kind of takes that aspect from the original Willy Wonka where they're trying to go with the timeless feel where yeah. anyone can watch it and be like oh I relate to this movie mm -hmm. it gives me good feelings and stuff yeah uh, you're definitely right where like if you're wanting a kids uh, or a toy movie for kids this one would definitely be like the golden uh, one to kind of get your ideas from and watch and maybe not rip off but yeah. like spin off your own ideas from yeah. uh it, it definitely develops its characters well the toy kind of um whole thing behind them mm -hmm. is it's not explained how they're like standing up and walking around but that's the good thing because yeah. you don't need to know that mm -hmm. you just know that they're up and walking around yeah um, so, if we had to get into complaints, uh, both of us kind of agree the animation is not aged extremely it, well. Yeah, like, anyone could argue, oh, you gotta look through it the way that they were watching it back in the day, but if you're always looking at movies that way, I feel like you're gonna just miss the whole thing of, like, being able to criticize a movie. Yeah. Uh, it... It looks pretty good still, but it doesn't hold up uh, compared to movies that we have. Yeah, um, it's, some of it is really glitchy looking. At times, you can't really tell if the toy is supposed to be porcelain or plastic, which at least that actually gets brought in Toy Story 4 that Bo Peep is porcelain and her sheep because a lot of people didn't know that until oh. Toy Story 4 because they didn't have the animation to show she is a porcelain doll. And so that was kind of a biggie for me is that when you watch this movie originally, you wouldn't think they are. you think, oh, stuffed sheep and 
probably some plastic doll, but no, she's porcelain and so are the sheep. And so a lot of that couldn't be brought obviously back in the day. And even at times like some of the more plasticky toys, you don't get to know that they are plastic or uh, glass or metal until like the newer films, like three and even four. I guess I didn't uh, really think about that. Yeah. Uh, in the way of complaints, I I would say yeah it's it's really the animation for me mm-hmm. um and we we've definitely gotten a lot of memes from the animation yes we have because of the w- weird wacky faces mm-hmm. uh I would say that the amount of time spent with Andy and I know that this is supposed to be a toy orient oriented movie but the mm-hmm. amount of time spent with Andy feels way less than it could have been. Uh, yeah. which for, I, I guess for some people might be a good thing for some people might be a bad thing, mm-hmm. but I would, I yeah. would have liked it a little bit more if we had more of Andy in the movie. Mm-hmm. I think, uh, I think this movie being so toy focused, it's like the movie then wants you to see the side of Sid because the movie tries to expect you to just understand, Oh, Andy's a good kid that plays with toys. And then it's more Sid focused, which Sid's fine in the movie. I'll admit he's like the good first villain, like you said, but, uh, a lot of the time I was just kind of sitting here go, well, I'd rather see how the toys react to this scenario. They're scenario like just staying in Sid's room was kind of boring at times because I was like well I'd like to see them and the ending did this more obviously how are they going to get up to Andy how are the toys going to be able to hide in plain sight how do the toys do all this like I wanted more of that but we had to experience Sid torturing them when we already get that effect from the toys that are horrifying zombie creatures and stuff and the movie doesn't always do that at times which is one complaint that I've always had with it and stuff um a lot of the background characters in the movie too you only get to vaguely know a few things about them they're just like other toys that say their personality and stuff like you had Don Wrinkles you could have used Don Wrinkles more to your uh advantage and you didn't he's a great comedian so I wish this movie would have utilized him more uh I I I don't uh, like how they tried to make Mr. Potato Head like a secondhand villain in a way. Yeah. Because, like, it, it, I know that they had Don Rickles and they had to at least use him, but they could have made him more likable or something in the uh, movie yeah. other than... Because yeah. they do make him likable in the second one. Mm-hmm. But the first one, it's like he's supposed to be the secondhand villain that you're supposed to hate and you're supposed to expect them to, like, do something to make him get destroyed or something. Yeah. But in the end, you're supposed to just accept that you that you like him even though he was being a horrible person this whole time. Yeah. I don't really have any more complaints outside yeah. of what we just kind of gone over. Like I said, I really enjoy the first Toy Story. Mm-hmm. I think this is a great little movie, and I think it's kind of revolutionary for what Pixar did in the day. Like I said, animation could be better. We don't get to explore as many themes as we could, obviously. I think we kind of get the point that Andy's a good kid and Sid's a bad kid, but we don't need to linger on Sid for too long. Yeah. I, I think I'm going to give this movie a solid 8 out of 10. Because I think this is still a very good movie. It's not my favorite of the franchise, obviously, but I still think this is a very good movie. And the simple themes it got into, I appreciate more because the movie didn't have to get complex until it got into the later films. So I really do enjoy this movie for what it is. I I, I will say that I I definitely did enjoy this movie. Um, I'll say that Sid, while he was a a good first villain, he was definitely just, like, okay. He he wasn't anything special. Uh... The whole Mr. Potato Head being a secondary villain just felt a little bit forced to me, even and especially when they try to make you like him at the end. Uh, other than that, this is a really enjoyable, fun movie. I would have liked to see a little bit more uh, development of the Andy character, more like time with him mm-hmm. in the movie. Uh, I think I'm going to go ahead and give this one an 8 as well, okay. because um, it's just a really good movie. It's... There's there's not a lot to hate about it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's definitely a good one to go back and, like, show your kids or something mm-hmm. if you have any kids in the future. Yeah. All right, so uh, I'm going to go ahead and cut it off here. We'll move on into Toy Story 2. 
All right, back into it with uh, Toy Story 2, another movie that I think we both kind of uh, really like. Mm-hmm. Uh, this one has Al from Al's Toy Barn, that uh, that man. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so Toy Story 2, uh, the critically acclaimed sequel to the first Toy Story. Um, so Bugs Life didn't make a lot of money for Pixar, obviously, so they're like, okay, back to the drawing board. Let's see if we can make a good sequel. Uh, this movie was actually in production hell for a while. They had an original movie planned that got way too convoluted and didn't know where it was going. So they scrapped it and made this new movie in nine months. So it was pretty impressive for them to turn around from a movie that had no real plot to now giving it a plot and having nine months to work around that. And so obviously when this movie was made, uh, it still made a lot of bank, obviously, because of the first Toy Story, and it still got its critical acclaim and stuff, and a lot of people seem to forget about this one. They seem to just go, oh, the original's great, and then, oh, the third is such a nice conclusion, but this is, like, the middle little brother they always skip over. Like, there's memes around it, obviously, and stuff that comes out of this movie, but, like, I feel like this one doesn't get enough appreciation as it does, because yeah. this is still a really faithful sequel. It's it's a, it's a really good sequel, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it definitely carries over some of the aspects of the first movie and improves upon them a yes, lot. Yes, it does. It shows the development of uh, the toys and stuff and gives you even more character to a lot of the yeah, toys. Yeah, it does. Um, so in this one, uh, Woody is going to go to summer camp with Andy. It's cowboy a cowboy camp. camp. Yeah, kind of what it is. And then... Um, Woody is playing, or Andy is playing with Woody one day, and he goes to do like an uh, uh, arm link with uh, Buzz, and yep. then his arm accidentally rips, and his mom puts him on the shelf, and he doesn't go to cowboy camp, and he starts freaking out. One of the older toys on the shelf is going to be sold at a garage sale, and so he goes out, gets him, rescues him, but then Al, the chicken man, ends up finding him, stealing him, taking so uh, taking him to uh, a bunch of other people that ran on the show that Woody didn't know about called Woody's Roundup, and Al's going to sell him in Tokyo, I think, for a lot of big bucks, he says. And so, obviously, the rest of the gang has to set out to find Woody while at the same time dealing with their own internal struggles and external struggles across the way. Uh, So, again... This movie does a lot of things, kind of like the first one, obviously. The toys still want to be played with. It sets up how do they react to these scenarios and stuff. Uh, Right out the gate, it reacts to how do they react to an animal with Buster, which... Kind of comedic. I, I yeah. like that. The whole Buster do the stick em up, play dead and stuff. And then when Andy tries to do it, he just walks by him. <laughs> and that was pretty good payoff and stuff. Yeah. Um, I, I like that this movie does a deal with abandonment like abandonment a lot in this movie because Woody feels abandoned and he has that nightmare where Andy's like I don't want to play with you anymore and he's getting pulled down by like the trash monster and it's like wow so this movie's getting into some darker themes it also has to deal with what about toys that don't have an owner because we get that with Prospector Jesse and uh, Bullseye and so this movie digs more into that aspect of toys which I'm glad because the first movie didn't really have that about toys that don't have an owner and this movie does and so obviously Jesse is afraid to be owned by anybody again because she was put in a box obviously cuz her past uh do- her her past girl pretty much gave up on her when she gave, yep. uh, got older and stuff. Prospector has never had a proper owner. He's never come out of the box so he's used to isolation. And then Bullseye's just kind of there. He, we we <laughs> he don't get any backstory anything, which yeah. I kind of like that. Because it's a horse that doesn't talk. You don't need a lot of backstory for yeah, that. Yeah, um, so a lot of what this movie does well right out the gate is it sets up the conflict for Woody with the arm tear. So Woody feels like he's kind of useless now because of his arm being torn. Yeah. And when he gets put on the shelf, uh, everybody's like reassuring, like, oh, don't worry, Woody, they'll fix you in no time. But he discovers Wheezy, who is this little penguin that had been stuck behind there for months. And he was like, well, I tried squeaking to call, but it just aggravates my condition. <laughs> and so... Uh, uh, Wheezy then gets taken by mom, obviously, and is going to be sold because 
I think the mom just didn't care at that point. She forgot all about Wheezy, and yeah. uh, Woody kind of feels sympathetic towards it because that could be him someday. And so he goes to rescue Wheezy and stuff in a pretty good first act, and that sets up that Woody is still the great leader, obviously. Buzz is there to be support, so he's like the co-leader with Woody and stuff. Uh, but when Woody gets taken by Al the Chicken Man is where the group starts to fall apart a little bit because they create a crime scene. They're trying to figure out where Woody went, and Buzz is trying to get his best buddy back because if it was the same Buzz in the first film that never learned his lesson, they probably would have never... In, uh, gotten and found yeah. Woody. They would have been like, ah, forget it, the cowboy's gone. But in this movie, we see Buzz actually caring to get his best friend and stuff. And so you see him messing with the spell check thing and the rest of them being like, oh, let Buzz play speak with... And spell or speak and spell. Called. And they're like, oh, we'll just let Buzz play with this toy. They figure that out, obviously, and they set out to find Woody. But... Then Woody gets brought, obviously, to Al's apartment, and Jesse is introduced, which I love this character, the very high-energy southern yeah. accent that she has on her, and then Prospector, who's supposed to be, like, a wise old prospector for Woody and them and stuff, even though in the show he's portrayed as, like, a stupid idiot, pretty much. Yeah. He's, I think he's supposed to be like a coal miner. Yeah. Uh, and it, <laughs> in the show on, within the movie, which is kind of meta, I guess. Yeah. He, he's, uh, lights a stick of dynamite in mm -hmm. the, uh, mine and they're like, Oh no. Yeah. Cause um, it's supposed to be like a silly fifties kids show. Yeah. Um, which I kind of love that too. The animation yeah. plays around with them being on strings, which was pretty like Marionettes almost. Yeah. And so, uh, obviously the mouth movements are off by a bunch, which I think <laughs> yeah. they intentionally did, which is great. Uh, but in that aspect too, like Woody is brought under, Oh, you're an icon in the fifties and stuff. Look at you. You had your own TV show and stuff and then when they reveal that the show is canceled because the astronauts went up and only people wanted to play with space toys at that point yeah like, something like that and so then uh obviously all of them were pretty much abandoned and so that's how al got all of them and woody is the missing piece to take them to a museum in tokyo where they could stay forever and you know at first he's like no i got a kid and so the prospector's like well why did this kid break you he's like oh he didn't mean to he's like well why did he leave you at the yard sale and stuff he's like no no, no it wasn't like that at yeah. all and he's like well it doesn't seem like this andy cares about you and so it's a lot of manipulation to where Woody kind of feels guilty, but at the same time, the movie also does bring back some conflict, like, uh, Woody tries to get his arm from, uh, Al, and at one point, uh, the TV remote gets turned on, and it's placed in front of Jesse, and so he thinks Jesse did it and stuff, uh, the prospector, of course, has to intervene and all that, yeah. and then we get one sequence, which I think is the biggest emotional payoff, which is Jesse's backstory, and the Randy Newman song that was written and performed by I Don't Know Who, uh, very great that accompanies that scene, yeah. a lot of emotional turmoil that you see Jesse being left under the bed, watching her, uh, her girl grow up, grow obviously. Up, yeah, develop and, out of her little cowgirl Yeah, shape. and she feels abandoned until one day she finds her and thinks, oh, we're going to play again, and then is put in a box and is left, pretty much. And pretty, that's yeah. where the whole abandonment thing kind of plays in, where she never wants to be put in a box again. She can't do it. She'd rather she go to the darkness. Yeah, she would rather be in a museum. But Woody kind of does tell her at the same time that, you know, life isn't over, you can grow and stuff. But Woody does understand that one day... Andy will be like that. He will be tired of him, and his place would obviously be better at the museum, which is why you kind of side with Woody's decision to stay, because you're like, well, I do understand once Andy's, uh, Andy's older, what's he going to do? Yeah. But at the same time, you do have to think, well, Andy loves this toy right now, and without that toy, how is he going to cope with it? Because say they get another Woody, which he's rare in this movie, which won't happen, obviously, yeah. but like, uh, say they can't find another Woody, he's going to be emotionally destroyed because Woody is still his favorite. So... A lot of this movie does deal with a lot of internal conflicts that obviously the first one didn't want to get into, and I appreciate they saved it for the sequel because there's a lot more to juggle here, obviously. A lot of the struggles that Woody goes through and the rest of the Roundup gang, obviously, and so I think this movie balances that all better because that's where the more serious parts of the movie happens. Yeah. 
it the whole like uh, first movie not being nearly as developing as the second movie mm-hmm. definitely uh, is a thing that I think Shrek would later copy because mm-hmm. the first movie. Uh, is a pretty simple movie. Very and, simple. Uh, then the second one just gets in, uh, a little bit more complex, a little bit yep. more into these more complex uh, themes and stuff, which is a, a really nice thing to see in movies. I like I like that development, making it more complex for kids who are growing up with these and yeah. able to like think through these things even yeah. more as they go on. Yeah. So the one subplot in this movie is obviously Buzz and the rest of the gang going to find Woody, and so a lot of it's played for laughs. Obviously, nothing serious. That's where like, oh, we have to take a break and go back to the kitty stuff because they try to cross the street with traffic cones and create a whole accident. Yeah. And then they go into Al's toy barn, and uh, Rex finds this uh, cheat code little magazine to how yeah. to beat Zerg in the video game Man, those things <laughs> yeah um then of course buzz discovers a whole aisle of himself and he wants to get this gravity belt that was in the game at the beginning and he goes to grab it and this buzz is just like him from the first movie which is something that they kind of brought back and so buzz has to deal with him uh then the fake buzz ends up capturing him and he is with the group the rest of the movie and it's really off because he's trying to do all of the things that he did in the first movie and yeah. it's kind of a rehash almost in a way but they do spin it differently like they're in al's cart at one point and he's like hey i'm gonna blast through the roof and fly up and then he can't obviously they get on the elevator and that zerg that's been following them finally confronts them which funny scene i especially love that it's just like a star wars ripoff where he's yeah, like no it, i am your father and it's hinted at at the beginning of the movie yeah. when rex is playing the video game which i th- I, th- I found it to be a pretty like funny like bring uh lead back uh and then they bring it back again towards the end and it's uh even better the third time yeah Comedy it comes is. in threes yeah uh I, I definitely liked that aspect of like th- they lost their buzz mm-hmm. so they're trying to get this other buzz uh yeah. or th- they think that this buzz is their buzz so he's just trying to like play along while yeah. also uh getting to who he thinks is gonna be zerg mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> Uh, This movie also gets into some interesting themes, I will say. So, one of the things about this movie and the themes, of course, abandonment and not being sure if you belong to somebody is uh, it really kind of strikes home when Buzz does finally find Woody after the whole elevator sequence and stuff. And he's like, well, Woody, you've got a kid that cares for you now. And he's like, oh, but I was a big TV star and I'm going to a museum where people appreciate me and stuff. And he's like, you are not like meant for display. You are a child's play thing, which gets brought back. And I kind of love that, that they bring that back in Woody that kind of hits him a little bit and he does some thinking as they all leave. And obviously he does realize that this is true. Andy is there now and needs them. And so he turns around and tries to convince, of course, Jesse, Prospector, and all them to come back. And then we discovered the twist, which is that Prospector was the one that did all the orchestrating and stuff. He's been the kind of a secondary villain but more believable in this case yeah um and so obviously prospector's like you know what's not fair sending uh, spending eternity in a box when nobody wants you and stuff we're gonna be yeah. better off in the museum where children can look at us and love us and stuff and so obviously prospector's trying to round them all up al comes in and it creates the whole conflict where they need to get to the airport and get them all out and stuff before obviously they get taken to tokyo uh which i have to compliment wayne knight as al the chicken man such a great actor, and yeah. not only made this movie ten times better by his energetic performance, but I just feel like he's Newman from Seinfeld and almost everything that he's in at this yeah. point. Um, uh, because I especially love the one joke with him, with him where he's like, I can't believe I have to drive all the way to work on a Saturday. All the way to work, and it's right across, it's the, street. Right across the street. It's great jokes. I especially love when he wakes up from his little nightmare and is like, no officer, I swear I didn't do it. And like, <laughs> Wayne Knight just makes Al such a likable villain because he's not really a bad guy. He's just trying 
trying to make bucks off yeah. these toys. So uh, it, it's interesting, and I kind of like him. I'm sorry we skipped over him, but he is one of the better parts. The the only time that really you think he's a bad guy is when he steals. Mm -hmm. But other than that, it's just like he's just this dumb character played off for laughs all the way through for the most part. Yeah, uh, he just owns a big toy chain, obviously. Al's Toy Bar. Yeah. Um, but anyways, uh, one thing that I also like about it is um, once they go to the airport, have the conflict and stuff, uh, Prospector then confronts Woody and rips his arm again, the same one that got prepared, which that yeah. whole sequence was pretty cool, I'm not going to lie. Yeah, um, it looks, it looks, it's a good-looking one. It is too. a very good-looking one. And then, obviously, they get all these cameras flashed to Prospector, and they give him a comeuppance. Well, you never understood playtime. Let's put you in this little girl's bag. And at first you think, okay, nothing's wrong with it. And then the Barbie turns and her face is like massacred <laughs> with glitter and like all this stuff She's on it. She's a really good artist. Yeah, and Prospector like whimpers a little bit as they take him off, which, good. I kind of like the running theme of these Toy Story films where it's like the villain doesn't have to like die brutally or anything. It's just like they he get to come, come up. Yeah, they just get to come up. And it's like even in the third film, it's a come up. And in the fourth film, which we'll get into that later. But like, <laughs> I, I just really enjoy the running theme that you don't need a villain that dies like every day. Disney movie, this one can just yeah. be simply given a comeuppance. He can be given something that he deserves. Yeah, it, it definitely, because these are like movies made for uh, little kids since they're based around toys and stuff. Yeah. So I, I do like the idea that like revenge doesn't always have to be like murdering the person yeah. who wronged you. It can just be like getting them back lightly or not really at all. Yeah. Uh, which I, I do like that the, like you said, the prospector, his uh, whole comeuppance is just going with a little girl. <laughs> yeah. And, and he's upset about it. But like, that's it. That's about all the deeper they get into. Yeah. Like, you don't think he's going to be, like, crushed by her or anything. Yeah. She's just like, oh, another doll! Yeah. Um, so, another thing that I kind of love about the movie and uh, is the ending, because finally Jesse gets to meet Andy yeah. and all of them, and he, of course, plays with them immediately when he comes home from cowboy camp. And so all of them feel like, you know, they have a purpose now. Buzz kind of hits on Jesse a little bit at the ending and stuff. Yeah. Uh, there are a lot of great things about the ending, especially Wheezy getting his squeaker fixed and then yep. just singing, like, in the most out-of-nowhere voice ever it's, great joke it, it would have been i think it would have uh been almost perfect if they, if they just had like a frank sinatra mm -hmm. voice but uh the, the what they had was just really good because he's talking with that like really wimpy wheezy voice and then it's just this yeah. <laughs> lounge singer yeah and so uh yeah toy story 2 is very good about the whole abandonment thing it yeah. gets into a lot of great themes um the animation of this movie, I would say, is kind of my same complaint with the first one because there are a lot of areas that are dated, and it, it, that's it an issue. upon the it first did, one, I would yes. say. But you could, you definitely still have the issue of like mm -hmm. Woody not looking great sometimes yeah. with his facial uh, features. Uh, Buzz looks just about the same almost. Yeah, uh, but it does improve just the slightest amount to it what does. you need. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's kind of one thing that I really love about the movie is the fact that it knew to improve, it knew to keep growing, and it knew how to make the animation a little better. Again, you can't tell that Bo Peep is porcelain or her sheep. You can't tell what toys are supposed to be plastic, water, glass, water, metal. And so, again, the later films will get more into that. But uh, this movie is still at least improved in the animation, but not aged extremely well. Uh, one other complaint that I've always had when I was little was that Prospector as the villain is way too obvious. The movie does not really a whole lot to, like, mask the twist because 
a lot of the time when I was little, I was like, oh, he's going to be the bad uh, bad guy because he's like, I don't know how the remote got there. You put it there is what I always said because I figured it would be him. And guess what twist it is. And, like, he always talks so calm. Like, he's never angry about any decision what he makes. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, this is – something's not right about this guy. There's no way he's fine with him just upping and leaving. They they were definitely doing that whole thing where it's like, oh, he – we're going to keep it a secret. And Mm -hmm. then immediately there's like, oh, he's the bad guy, which – it, it, it is very obvious uh, to see that he's going to be the bad guy. Yes. And I, I would have liked that l- to be a little bit more hidden, but I guess uh, you can go with the argument that it's a kid's movie, so they didn't want to... Yeah. yeah, which a lot of kids' movies do do the twist villains well. I just don't understand yeah. why this one was like, oh, we got to make it so obvious. Well, you did say that it, so, like they redid the entire movie in mm-hmm. nine months, so I give them a pass there, kind of. Yeah, I guess, but I just wish it was less obvious, because it would be like yeah. the Spider-Verse twist where Miles' uncle turns out to be the crawler that's stalking him. Like, nobody predicted that at first. They were like, oh, crap. Um, yeah, but there are a lot of great things about uh, this movie, obviously. Uh, the subplot with Buzz at times did kind of linger a little bit, that it did take you away from more of the serious themes. I, I, I will say that the... Um, whole like oh this isn't the real buzz thing mm-hmm. that one was a little bit uh overdone yeah. and at points could get annoying yeah because it was just the same thing from the first movie just mm-hmm. redone and tim allen basically doing double duty on that movie <laughs> yeah um but yeah i i still like this movie i think there are a lot of yeah. great things about it obviously this is again the sequel that gets overlooked everybody just goes from one to three and is like praising those two films but forget about the middle child and how yeah. great that he actually is because again they they really care about this franchise and everything with it so uh, again, I think this movie improves a lot from the first one. I think it gets into more complex themes, which I really appreciate. I especially love the fact that this movie was not afraid to shy away from improving its animation, making you feel the characters a little bit more. Like, Potato Head gets expanded a lot more in this movie. Ham yep. does too. Rex, like, you get to learn more about these characters versus the first one. And so, it's great. More expansion, more world building, more character development, more complex themes. Just the animation and some of the twists and elements of the movie and jokes can get a little old, but I think I would give this movie a nine. It's kind of like Shrek two for me where I think it improves a lot off the first. Um, I, I would say I, I did really enjoy this movie. I, I liked, uh, that the animation did improve a little bit. It's not the greatest again. It didn't age very well, but it still did look uh, pretty good for the time. Yeah. Um, I definitely liked, uh, we, we don't really ever hint on the, uh, voice acting and how great that is, but yeah. the, the, the voice acting in, uh, this, these two movies are really good, mm-hmm. uh, especially with Tim Allen pulling double duty on this one, yeah. almost, uh, Al, he, he definitely was used almost the right amount, yeah. like, he didn't feel underused, like, uh, uh, some other, uh, characters might have. Andy, I still think, could have been a little bit more developed, but he was off at Cowboy Camp, so I guess it makes sense that he wasn't in this uh, movie as much. Woody and uh, Buzz, they're um, working together and stuff. They really, you can really tell they have a good, like, friendship in this movie, Mm -hmm. especially when they're split apart and they're, like, almost genuinely scared to be split apart. Yeah. I would say, for me, this movie is about another 8 out of 10. Okay. It's about on par with the first one for me. Okay. Um, So... 
I guess that that's our final thoughts. Oh, we should mention that the kind of like end credits thing where they do like oh, the, yeah, the blooper reel. The the blooper reel. That that's that's just funny. Yeah, I love Wheezy getting hit with the microphone. <laughs> yeah. That kills me. The, like you, you would not see animated movies really doing that nowadays. Mm, so no. it's fun that they did that for this movie. Yeah. So I will say that's our final thoughts on uh Toy Story Two. We'll move on into Toy Story Three. Alright, we're gonna jump on into Toy Story Three. Uh this is another movie that was kind of like a random like so many years after kind of thing uh i it's kind of happened with like the scream franchise as well where like they made so many movies and then like 10 years later they're like oh let's make another so that's kind of what they did with uh toy story hayden what what what, what do you think so far um so toy story 3 is the one that everybody really seems to love compared to the entire trilogy before 4 because it was kind of a really fitting conclusion to all of these characters and it really wrapped up a lot of the arcs that were set in the previous two toy story films but um the reason disney claimed that they took a very long time to make this is that they actually wanted to make the progression of these films feel a little bit more realistic so for instance like andy was a kid back in the 90s but now in early 2010 he would be like most kids in that era growing up and going to college. So that's the reason that they did the gap mostly. And they had also said that they wanted to focus on more original films at the time. So that's why you got like the Incredibles, Ratatouille, uh, Wally and stuff. You had like an influx of really more original stuff. And then a lot of people were like, well, is Disney ever going to do that third Toy Story film? And they're like, yes, it is coming, but we want to plan it correctly. So John Lasseter and company obviously came together, made Toy Story 3. It was a movie that had one of Disney's highest production budgets thrown into it because of this franchise and I gotta say the end product really does satisfy me Toy Story 3 is a very good conclusion that most franchises wish they could have like there are some franchises that just can't end their film franchise properly some of them are really bad franchise endings or just kind of mediocre but this one I've always been kind of satisfied with because it does make a lot of sense for what happens to these toys it does make a lot of sense that they're gonna have to move on from Andy and I think that this movie wraps it up kind of nicely so the plot of this movie is that the toys have no need for Mandy anymore. He has grown up and moving to college, but Woody assures them that something good is going to happen to them. So one day, Andy is loading them up and is going to take them to the attic until he accidentally goes to help Molly. The mom mistakes it for a trash bag and takes them out to the curb. The toys are all noticeably upset and think Andy doesn't love them anymore and needs them. So they all get into the donations box that is going to Sunnyside Daycare, and all of them go there in high spirits thinking they're going to get played with, but discover that Lotso A. Hug and Bear uh, has something more sinister going on there in which it is more of a dictatorship so the toys have to figure out how to get out of there and find their new Andy and get back to him so I gotta say right out the gate the animation has tenfold improved from the previous two it's a two. lot better in this movie yeah um a lot of the character designs, you can actually tell what they're supposed to be. You see more of the plasticky features on each of them and stuff, and the ones that aren't plastic, you do see more of, like, the shinier glass porcelainisms, but that I thought was more interesting. There's, like, a stretchy octopus character that looked more gooey and slimy, which I thought yep. was awesome. He even left little tracks when he walked around. I'm like, good. They actually got more of the character designs to make you believe that they look like actual toys. Yeah, it, 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 this is definitely, this movie, the entire look of it was a lot better, especially with, like, the lack of just awful looking like faces and stuff in the movie yeah because the toys were able to be a little bit more animated with their facial features and stuff uh characters were able to look a little bit better even the human characters look a lot better oh, in this yeah. movie than they did before because before they looked like horrifying creature monsters yeah um, so anyways, one of the biggest themes in this movie is about abandonment, because the toys have been pretty much abandoned, and they still have a loyalty to Woody, which I think 
or yeah, to Woody and both to Andy. But what I think is so interesting is that despite them not getting played with for years, I think it's kind of great that Woody still rallies them together. Like we still need to be here for Andy no matter what, yeah. because they even go through like the roll call and there's barely any toys there anymore, obviously. And then they go through like, well, yeah, we lost a lot of friends over the years. You know, we had like RC went away and stuff. Wheezy's gone and stuff. And then of course Rex is like Bo Peep. And he's like, yeah, even Bo went at some point. And so that was interesting to kind of watch them come to terms with that. They are much smaller than they used to be in Andy's collection and stuff. The army men even leave because they're like, there's no purpose for us. We'd be the first to go in the garbage bag. And so you kind of see that Woody is trying his best to keep the gang together, but they're all sick and tired of being there for Andy when Andy could care less about them. They even try to like call him on a phone at the beginning just to get him to pay some attention to him, but he thinks nothing of it. So this movie does really show that these toys are abandoned. They have no owner. And so the movie does have this running theme of what do the toys do when their owner no longer needs them? How do they feel? How do they act? and stuff how do toys feel when they're not played with anymore and this movie dives right into that at the beginning kind of showing a more morbid and darker take on like these toys are not getting played with and yeah. quite obviously they're really sick and tired of not getting played with they're gonna get moved to the attic and they're not even happy about that really they're like yeah i guess we can put up with it for now and so this movie does a really good job setting that right out the gate that these toys feel abandoned and want to move on which is why ultimately you do side with the rest of the gang that it's like well we want to go to sunnyside daycare kids play with you every day over there yeah. but woody is so loyal to his kid that i kind of respect that in a way that he will do anything even if he's not wanted yeah woody is like a very headstrong character in this movie he uh wants to hold true to the values that he's kind of created uh for himself meanwhile all the other toys uh especially something like uh, someone like jesse who's already been abandoned before by her pre one of her previous owners she's uh knows that like this is going to happen again and she doesn't want to have to worry about that so she did she she's uh scared of being abandoned and left in the attic and stuff uh, especially because she's afraid of the dark because she stayed in like a box for so long yeah so she's one of the big pushes to go to like the sunnyside daycare and get to play with all these kids mm -hmm. especially because they think all the kids are going to be like how they were with uh andy where they are creating all these fantastical worlds and stuff and uh like kind of in a way like role-playing with them yeah and uh having a lot of fun and at first you think that's what's going to happen mm -hmm. but eventually they do get to the sunnyside daycare and they meet lotso and ken and uh, everyone and as it progresses, you uh, you start to figure out that, like, they're getting sent to the not-so-friendly kids' room. Yeah. Um, all of the snot-nosed, like, mm -hmm. two-year-olds. Yeah, the movie uh, does do more universe-building, like, what does a daycare entail and stuff. So a lot of the toys are being taken care of by other toys. There is a two-way system where you either go to the Caterpillar room or you go to the Big Boy playroom and stuff. So yeah. they have, like, even a bathroom that kind of separates the two of them. And it was interesting to watch them, like, go into the Caterpillar room full well knowing that they would be playing with littler children, but uh, Lotso having more, you know, despiteful and distasteful intentions on them. And so uh, one thing I got to say about Lotso A Hug and Bear, he's always been my favorite villain of the series, just simply because he's the one that gets away with the majority of his schemes and plans, and he yeah. is more of a dictatorship presence. He also is very good at masking himself in like a sweet old man presence with like a southern accent and stuff. And, and yeah, and he just walks around kind of like, well, we need to treat our friends better around you we can't be like this new toys don't deserve this and then when buzz ultimately rejects him to go and live in the cat like the big butterfly room he's like okay put him in the chair put him in fact
factory reset mode, and of course, Buzz gets reverted back to being Buzz Lightyear again, yeah. which is a running theme with these movies, and so uh, that was kind of interesting. I think Michael Keaton is a charm as Ken in this movie also. Man, I love Michael Keaton in anything that he's in. In this movie, he's just so hilarious yeah, as Ken. Yeah, he, he gets to play this charming character that... If you look at the guy now, you wouldn't really be able to no. tell that he's uh, uh, playing such a charming character. But he, he really does fit into the role of Ken, especially as the movie goes on and he, he like progresses into the character more. Yeah. It, it, you definitely feel the character. I didn't even know it was Michael Keaton until oh, really? I looked at the cast and crew. Yeah, um, but I, I think Michael Keaton does a good job because he has the dilemma, is he a girl's toy or can he be more of like a manly man toy? Yeah. So that was kind of funny. Um, But yeah, so when the Caterpillar room comes in and starts destroying the toys and stuff and Woody has long escaped I think it's kind of great to see that the toys realize that there isn't really a great life outside of Andy even if they wanted it because these kids are going to play with them horribly and stuff and they think Lotso could probably fix that and stuff which is why Buzz partially goes and tries to find him and yeah. darker intentions are made and stuff but when Woody goes to Bonnie I kind of love this because it shows that there is good kids out there that could replace Andy because yeah. Bonnie actually plays with Woody nicely and stuff he treats him better you see the way that she actually wants to do more fantasized stuff and then and you get to meet the new cast of characters that are introduced that are Bonnie's toys. And so you get that nice dynamic of them being like, so where are you from? You're a natural at all this and stuff. Why do you want to go back to that daycare place and all that? It's a nasty and a horrible place. And so I think that's one of the more interesting parts of the movie is that there is a dynamic where Woody knows that there are good kids out there. It's just you have to find the right niche in the market for it. Yeah, it... Uh, the issue with, like, the other toys is that they uh, initially did get to this daycare expecting to... Uh, like, like we said before, expecting to be played with these bigger kids, almost like Bonnie. Yeah. But they get stuck with the snot-nosed two-year-olds, and they're not playing with them right. They're just throwing them around, uh, chewing on them, uh, sticking them up their nose and yeah. stuff. And uh, it, it's just, like, a horrible thing for all these toys. Because they, they aren't getting the playtime they expected. And there's even, like, a joke where Buzz cracks his back after all the kids leave because he's like, I don't remember it being like that. Yeah. Uh, it... it it really does show how, like, you need the right kids in these movies, and the really young ones aren't the right ones. Yeah. Uh, so now to get into uh, the deep, like the deepest and darkest take in the movie is finally when we get the reveal of why Lotso is so corrupt. So uh, Chuckles, this little clown that sits there with the big yeah. frown, he's on, like, the kitchen sink or whatever, they talk to him about the backstory of Lotso and stuff, and they had a kid, and her name was Daisy, and Daisy loved Lotso the most, obviously, all three of them equally were her favorites, and so one day they go out for a drive, they're having a nice little picnic at a rest stop, but then she falls asleep and they forget the toys. Yeah. So Lotso, of course, is very kind-hearted and is like, well, we can't give up, so they walked all the way back, they're a little bit dirtier and tired from their journey, and so Lotso and the clown Chuckles get lifted up to the window but the only one that really got replaced was Lotso yeah. and Lotso takes that to heart obviously that he is easily replaceable which is where you get finally in this movie the running theme that all toys are trash that can be easily replaced a new yeah. toy can come in and basically be anybody's favorite but of course we've learned that's not the case with like the first two because Andy would not get another Woody he loved that Woody specifically yeah. he loved his buzz every one of his toys specifically but in this one instance this little girl kind of just saw Lotso of like oh okay I can get another one yeah and I think the thing with uh, uh, Daisy and Lotso and stuff was that like she did love him yeah. but it was just like they couldn't find him because they had left him there and he was kind of really easy to replaceable because he was a like very uh, popular toy popular toy for a long time and there were so many like him that I f uh, feel like her uh, in the way 
they're probably just trying to hit out like her parents just gave her one. Yeah. And she didn't know it was a different one. She probably thought it was the same one. Yeah. Um, but anyways, Lotso takes this to heart and the movie says that something snapped inside of him, which is obviously where Lotso gets the mentality, toys are trash. They can easily be replaced. They're yeah. not loved once you get a new one. And so Lotso lies to all three or lies to Big Baby and is like, Oh, she replaced all of us, and then you know, Chuckles tries to stand up and he gets more authoritative. He's like, No, she replaced us, didn't she? As if he was going to pretty much harm Chuckles if he said anything more. Yeah. Big baby and all them end up getting taken away and they end up getting to Sunnyside where Lotso corrupts the system, becomes the top of the pyramid food chain and then that's where you get more of the themes of Lotso being like cowboy why would you want to go back to this Andy if all you are is a piece of trash and stuff why would any of you toys want to act like you have a horrible life here when you're going to get played with every day even though most of them are getting played with rougher and stuff because like yeah. uh, Mrs. Potato's even like look at my handbag it's been chewed on and destroyed and stuff and you get that joke where uh she's screaming and Lotso pulls off the mouth and is like ah that's better and yeah. Don Rickles, of course, it, is just great in that scene. But yeah, it the uh, whole aspect of like the toys not wanting to be played with us roughly is is pretty good because you do feel for them yeah uh because you're like well I, I i would like to see them be played with properly and in a way it is a, it is a really screwed up system for them because lotso is making it so that all of these bigger like tougher toys can be played with by the kids meanwhile these toys who aren't that bad can't because they're newcomers and they haven't showed like the right authority or anything yeah uh so, and then lots of, like, snapping and everything. That that whole aspect of the movie I just uh, really thought was good, too. Yeah. Uh, there is another thing about this movie that I find interesting, which is their whole prison break sequence. So once Woody comes back and he figures out that, you know, there is a place for them to go, if optional, but they're still going to go to Andy first, obviously. So when he comes back, they orchestrate this entire plan to break out and stuff. Buzz has been, of course, put, like we said, in more of the Buzz Lightyear Star Command mode from the previous two uh, movies and stuff. Well, they finally get their hands on Buzz and they do the factory reset that accidentally puts him in a Spanish mode where he is just Buzz Lightyear, but in Spanish, which was comedic because he hits on Jesse and then he assumes that the cowboy has something for Jesse, which yeah, I like, found kind of funny. dancing and stuff. Yeah, um, and so that was kind of interesting too, but anyways, this whole plan goes well for them and stuff because uh, Potato Head has to be like a tortilla shell at one point. I thought that was kind of comedic. That, that was, and then the, there's another point where he's like a, a zucchini, I think? I think, yeah. Or uh, something like that, or cucumber. Yeah. he's He puts all of his stuff on a cucumber. I, th those two jokes are really good because, like, that's not what you would normally see Mr. Potato Head as. Mm -hmm. But yeah, this whole prison break thing is really cool because it's, it's well executed uh, because it shows, like, the toys trying to be really careful. And they, they even got, like, help by one of the uh, less corrupt toys. But in the end, it came at fault because that toy kind of just got, like, beat up by all the other yeah, toys and had him. to. Uh, wrap them out but uh it, it it is kind of cool to see that like prison escape thing because you wouldn't normally get that in a toys kids movie mm -hmm. yeah um so finally once they've all escaped and get to the garbage thing that's where lotso confronts them and woody basically calls out lotso and stuff he's like if you couldn't have this daisy girl then nobody could which was very selfish of you he was like yes you've been lying to big baby and chuckles this entire time and all that you've been lying to everybody else about toys being easily replaceable because you were loved at one point but it just so happened this little girl got tricked into loving basically the same version of you and lotso doesn't believe that he's like nope toys are still trash it can be easily replaceable which is why if you step out of line you'll just go here in the garbage can yeah and so um obviously big baby takes that more to heart because lotso treats them worse after the pendant gets thrown and stuff yeah 
even like smashes the pendant yeah, right does. in front of him, which is basically when the baby snaps. Yeah, and and throws Lotso in, which is their like Star Wars moment, I probably. guess. Probably with Darth Vader and Emperor Palpatine. Yeah. Um. But That's anyways, my Star Wars yeah. For the day. Uh, Michael Keaton then, of course, uh, proposes as Ken. Like, uh, it can be cool and groovy here, but we all have to yeah. work together. And then, obviously, with Lotso being gone, that does eventually happen in the movie. But uh, that was interesting. So uh, when one of the green aliens tries to cross, Woody has to help him get out, and he gets pulled in and they all go after him and when they go to the landfill sequence i always found this interesting that woody still wanted to save lotso despite yeah. knowing he was a corrupt toy which still kind of shows the good of woody he still sees the good in toys even if he thinks they don't deserve it which saving lotso in the end ultimately was also too Have much fault. to their dismay because they trust him to go up and shut off this garbage thing and guess what lotso wasn't going yeah to. he doesn't help them because he's a evil one yeah and then you get the most touching moment in the series which is all of them are going towards this big inferno basically they're going to be burned alive and they all link arms and basically go out as a family they're all yeah. willing to die because as long as they're together nothing bad can happen which really touching really horrifying when i watched it as a kid i was like oh my god are they gonna burn all of yeah. my favorite toys <laughs> and of course you know that doesn't end up happening but that was a really sad moment where I, I was like man this still really hits home all these years later and stuff but of course green aliens use the claw they save them and stuff. Lotso gets caught and is tied to the front of this trucker's uh, truck and stuff where he's getting harassed by the other toys that are tied there, which I found kind of interesting. But anyways, they make their way back home. They shower themselves off. They get back in the boxes and stuff. And so Woody is obviously willing to go to college now at this point. And all the yeah. other toys are like, we'll be okay in the attic and stuff. But Woody then starts to think, well... Why be in the attic when he knows the great place that they can go? Because he's been there before. So, writes down the address of Bonnie, obviously. Andy comes in and looks at it as an option and stuff. And Woody puts himself in the box, not to, of course, Andy knowing or anything. So, when Andy drops off each of the toys, he goes through a very, like, very description of them yeah, and stuff. Yeah, describes how he played with them as a uh, kid. Yeah, and then Woody's in there, and Bonnie's like, oh, that's my cowboy doll. And at first, Andy doesn't want to let him go. Like, you see him pull him closer, and Bonnie's kind of confused about that. And then Woody goes into a, or Andy goes into a big feel about how great of a leader Woody is and stuff how great of a toy he was how he was his favorite and stuff and how she needs to take care of him which ultimately in the next film will be interesting but yeah. um uh, of course, Bonnie loves him and stuff. And then Andy plays one last time, which I yeah. found awesome that they kept that in They here. kept that childhood nature in yeah. him, which is really cool. Yeah. Um, but anyways, after that, uh, Andy's leaving, and Bonnie makes Woody wave goodbye, and he waves by a little bit, and then he drives off. And, of course, the last remaining shot is Andy driving away and Woody saying, so long, partner, which... Touching moment. Very touching Dude, how the movie ends. Did this movie make you cry? I remember when I was little it did. All these years later it just kind of like gives me chills the way it ends. Oh, but yeah. Made me cry. You did it? Yeah. Yeah. This movie fucked me up for some reason. And then the next one also. Oh, did it? But we'll get into that one when we get into it. Okay. Uh, I, I really like this movie. Mm -hmm. I definitely feel like it was a great send-off, which is why initially uh when the fourth one got announced i was very skeptical yeah yeah i, I feel like a lot of people uh, were a lot of people were th this movie ended off with like perfectly almost yes uh they get given to another child or another kid and that kid plays with them and that's all you needed to know you can make up your own story for them in the future in your head uh there aren't a lot of things about this movie that i don't like yeah i'll say yeah it, this is a kind of a hard movie to 
hate for me. Yeah, there are, of course, a few moments in the movie where I do think that aspects of it could have been, uh, could have been a little bit differently. So, first off, it's a little comical to me that uh, all of the bad toys are, like, doing a whole gambling thing upstairs and yeah. just gambling around and stuff, and they make them more of, like, sinister than what they actually are because more of them are less goofy than they try to portray them as. Also, at times in the movie, it was like, we really have to go back to the Buzz Lightyear's reset, back to factory mode gimmick we yeah. gotta do. Now he's in Spanish, but he still does Lightyear, which... You know, they didn't move on from that in the franchise. They were still doing the whole, hey, Buzz is going to be the same pretty much as he was from the first movie every time because there's going to be some new toy that comes in that's Buzz or he's just going to get factory reset. So that trend does get a little old after a while. The fourth movie cuts that off at least. But yeah. this one was at least like they tried to do an inversion, I guess, with the Spanish mode thing. But even it's if still it's, the same. It is the just... same thing. You can't understand that if you don't speak Spanish. <laughs> yeah, uh, which partially is why they use subtitles and stuff. I think the animation's great. I don't know if there are aspects of it that are really dated or anything, because it does look nicer, not Toy Story 4 nice, but it does look a lot better in a lot of yeah, areas compared like, to the first two. If a movie that had this uh, same look to it got released today, I don't think there would be any complaints, because no. it would still look really good. Meanwhile, something like that that looked like Toy Story One with the that animation style and stuff got released. It would probably have some complaints. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'll say that the whole like villains gambling thing felt like they were just doing the villain one hundred and one thing there. Mm -hmm. uh, I I did like the inversion with Ken going from villain to good guy and getting after all his a while. clothes ripped in front of him by Barbie yeah. and him trying to resist. <laughs> yeah, that was great. Um, yeah, but uh, even the movie, uh, a lot of people would probably be like, oh, is it just going to end there? What happened to Sunnyside? But the end credits show what's going on there. It is cool and groovy, obviously, like they wanted it and stuff. And you even see how Bonnie is playing with the toys and stuff and how they're interacting, which... Awesome. At least we're finally yeah, getting and, progression and her, for that. her original toys from before she got all of Andy's, they're all, like, really inclusive and helpful and even, like, fun. Yeah. And yeah, Rex yeah. even has himself a female dinosaur now, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah, so Toy Story 3 is a very good conclusion. Yeah. I do like this movie. I, I think this, again, is the perfect ending for the Toy Story franchise, and I didn't think that there was needed a movie after this. I was like, okay, perfect. It ends it. Pixar's going to go a more original. But then... In 2019, and I think it was even announced in, like, 2017, Toy Story 4, and I sat there and went, hmm, so is Disney really going to be that greedy where they drag out a franchise for no yeah. reason? And that was also my thing with The Incredibles 2. I remember watching it and being very let down because it was more of a watered-down version of what the original was, and so... That was starting to get the wheels clinking in my head before I saw Toy Story 4. Oh, my God, Disney is just doing this to make money. Yeah. That that was kind of my thoughts on it too, and you mentioned Incredibles, and I should say I, I did not want Incredibles two because no I one do, did. I really. don't care for the first one. Oh really? No, uh, I I really don't. It's it feels I I personally am not a fan of it. Oh okay. Uh, but Toy Story, uh, three, like we said, it was a great send off for the franchise, mm -hmm. and we both can agree that before we saw the fourth one, mm -hmm. we thought it was just gonna be another shitty cash grab that just looks good and that's it mm -hmm. uh but we'll save that for when we actually get into it we'll finish off on 
Toy Story 3. So, I guess, final thoughts? Yeah, um, so I like this movie a lot. Great conclusion. My favorite of the entire trilogy, obviously. Like I said, it deals with the toy's whole abandonment thing, and Disney, or Woody have to coming to terms with his inner conscience, kind of like, well, I want to be there for Andy. He's always loyal to his kid. He wants to be there for his kid no matter what. And eventually, he goes through the progression of finding out, well, here's where the other toys can go after, you know, I, I go off to college with Andy and stuff. Uh, you see Lotso is kind of the prime example of a toy that feels no love anymore because he isn't loved because he was basically treated like a piece of plastic that could be replaced. Yeah. And he tries to apply that to his entire leadership and stuff, how they can all easily be replaced. And I find that interesting that the movie dealt with both those dynamics where in the end you do side with Woody that toys can find a way to still survive in this movie and stuff. Great to see the wrap-up of Andy. Great to see the wrap-up of each of the character arcs and stuff. It does get lazy at times, like I said. It gets more comical with the villains and stuff. Buzz just basically gets reset into the same thing we've seen over and over again, only this time it's in Spanish. But it is a nice conclusion that does wrap up all of the arcs of these toys and pretty much gives them a proper send-off. I gave it a 9 when I saw it as a little kid, and I'm going to keep it as that. Uh, I, I really like this movie. Uh, I haven't seen it since I was uh, younger, so it's been a long time. Uh, I'm, I'm glad that I was able to remember a pretty decent amount of it before I watched it. Um, and I honestly, I didn't even know that I remembered as much until I did watch it. I, I do like the villain of Lotso. He feels like a better version of the villain, f the, of the um, toy villain from the second one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just like way bigger... Uh, of a villain in, in that case. I, I like the evolution of the toys uh, throughout this movie because they're all realizing, like, oh, we don't need to be um, with Andy all the time. We can yeah. go to another kid and stuff. I, like like I said, I, I was, I agree with Hayden in a way that I, I wasn't a big fan of, like, the whole the villains gambling thing because that felt generic. And then the Buzz Lightyear being put into demo mode i think is what they said in the yeah. movie because it we've seen it before and it this is the third time so we don't need it again yeah uh i think i'm gonna give this like a high a almost a nine okay so that being said that will conclude toy story yeah, that'll three. conclude toy story three all right toy story four you got a friend of me man uh so this movie we already mentioned in the uh previous um recording of the previous conversation about toy story three this movie, we were both expecting to kind of just be shitty corporate cash grabs of mm -hmm. movies. And up until I finally watched it, I thought that I just watched it for this podcast. Hayden, you saw back when it came out. Yeah. What were your initial... I, uh, opinions on so that. i remember when i first saw this afterward i was thinking okay this movie didn't deserve to be called toy story 4 i think this would have worked better as a woody character movie i think this would have been a very good woody standalone movie because this movie does not feel like a toy story movie it feels more of like a ending for the character of woody kind of movie and so with it being called toy story 4 the biggest issue i had is that the other toys really don't have a lot to do in this movie in fact a lot of them get sidelined and so this was a big thing that was going through my mind for a while where I was like, well, you could have just simply called it Woody, and everybody would have gone and saw it because they know who you're referring to, but the reason they called it Toy Story 4, and I remember John Lasseter said this, is because, well, we still do think that the toys play a big factor as a family in this movie, but after watching it, I was just really let down that a lot of the side character toys pretty much got thrown off, and they had nothing to do in the movie besides come back for a few jokes, and then you had, like, Buzz was at least doing stuff, and Jesse, yes, but the rest of them really had nothing to do, and that was one 
one of my biggest issues watching it because this is a very good ending to Woody as a character. This, nobody can deny. Woody has a very good ending, even if it does contradict some of the stuff that was in his arc previous in the other movies. But this movie would have benefited so much better if it was a Woody standalone film and we got to see his progression learning a little bit more about how he has to come to terms with kids not really needing him much anymore and how he can help other lost toys and stuff, which yeah. would have been better. But to call it Toy Story 4 does not really do it justice. I, I definitely, after watching this movie, I definitely agree. It does not uh, feel like a Toy Story movie because the only toys that really get a lot of like screen time in the movie is Buzz, Woody, uh, Forky, which is the new toy. Yeah. We hadn't mentioned him yet, but yeah. Yeah. If, if you saw trailers for the movie. Uh, and then like these new toys that you're... That really, like, they get introduced into the movie, and I get that they have to introduce new toys, but the only reason they're in this movie is to be new toys. And I like the new toys. I'm not saying I don't like them. Mm -hmm. uh, and, of course, everyone knows Bo Peep is back. Yeah. Because, uh, but, yeah, this this movie definitely could have benefited from just being called Woody. This could have been, like, the Toy Story version of the movie Logan. Pretty much. <laughs> yeah. It, it could have been. Th that's the only, like, comparison I can come up with is how this movie could have been. Yeah. Which is, it's. I would say it's still, this is still a really good movie. It's yeah, good I'd say it's good. It's a good finish for Woody, but as for the toy characters, no. Um. So, anyways, to so talk about this movie. So, uh, Woody is still living with Bonnie and them after the events of 3, and Woody has not really been played with as much. In fact, Bonnie kind of forgot all about him and stuff because she'd rather play with the other toys. So, Woody is kind of an outcast. But one day, Bonnie is going to kindergarten, and Woody's like, well, I should still help her because I used to help Andy get through tough times like these. He is he sneaks into the backpack, obviously goes to kindergarten, and Bonnie is kind of left alone. He throws over all of these utensils and stuff in which Bonnie makes a friend named Forky, and of course Woody is like, oh, it's just, you know, a fork, why am I talking to it and stuff, but it grows a conscience and becomes a toy, and this movie now gets into the whole uh, character dynamic, uh, like, world-building dynamic of can you make a toy now out of pretty much anything, and yeah. so uh, Forky at first just thinks he's trash, he doesn't think he deserves to be in this world because he is from the trash and so Woody has to the entire film basically make sure Forky doesn't throw himself away and Bonnie is always there with Forky because it's the most important toy that connects her to kindergarten but Forky throws himself out of the RV Woody has to go help him and they get into uh, some shenanigans across the way in which they find out Bo Peep is somewhere in the area but yeah. it's mainly about Woody trying to get Forky back to Bonnie and coming to terms with how he is and perceiving himself as a toy all these years later so yes, right out the gate, the animation in this movie is just pristine gorgeous. Just the art in general in this movie yeah. is really good, the, uh, which yeah. is one of the like bigger things that people were talking about with this movie, uh -huh. which is a really good thing, but... I, I would also prefer if people would talk about, like, the story of the movie, because it is a pretty good story, It is too. a good story, yeah. Uh, but, yes, the animation, obviously, the beginning looks very realistic with the raindrops and stuff. Like, yeah. even the underside of the car dripping just looks so realistic. Like, the grass looks more realistic. The porcelainisms, the cobwebs and stuff all look so photorealistic. Yes, we get it. Pixar has a big arsenal, and obviously they got all the money they, they have, can yeah, throw. They yeah, the uh, This was, of course, like, the last film John Lasseter worked on before he, uh... uh and then... Things happen. Yeah, um, and so obviously he loves art direction in his movies and stuff, so that's why you partially saw this movie looking gorgeous. Um, 
So yes, I have to talk at first about Woody in this movie. So Woody in this movie is obviously not getting played as much by Bonnie, but he is still kind of the leader of the group, telling them all what to do and all of that, trying to be the bigger man, telling them, okay, things are going to be better, even if, like, uh, Mom is just cleaning the room and stuff and we're putting yep. the closet, just take deep breaths, everybody will play in no time and all that. But Woody is being sidelined, and a lot of the toys look at that as if, oh, maybe Woody has his feelings hurt and stuff and he doesn't want to talk about it and all that. And so when Forky comes along, he understands that he is no longer the... The biggest toy in their life and stuff it is now Forky and so Woody is trying to still do right by his kid and get Forky to her every single time but Forky just throughout the movie is like I'm trash I don't want to be here I want to throw myself away so you see Woody kind of open up to Forky and stuff about how important he is and how lucky he is to have a kid that loves him and stuff because uh, Woody used to have a kid that adored him and now he's kind of with a kid that's lukewarm on him and stuff so that's why I think that this movie does a lot of good in that area because it does show that Woody still does care for his kid he's doing everything in the intentions to to, uh, help out his kids and stuff and a majority of the movie you see that but then his character kind of goes through a huge change in which by the ending he's like I don't need to serve a kid anymore I'm going to serve other toys which does at first make a lot of people and I do agree with this red flag question Woody because his whole character had always been for the kid and helping kids but now he is more for the toys and not needing a kid which I will agree this is a hard dynamic to change when the first three films were so good at setting up that Woody is always going to be there for his kids but then he straight up leaves Bonnie to help out Bo Peep and I will agree with people that have an issue with that because it doesn't feel like it's in character for Woody to do that because he's always there for his kid and I will agree with that to some extent that yes Woody should be there for his kid no matter what even if like even for example in Toy Story 3 Andy wanted nothing to do with them when he got older but yet in this movie now that Bonnie wants something to do with him he's just like okay I'll move on from her and I have a big issue with that because if in the third movie they were still there for Andy all these years later not getting played for like maybe seven plus years that's kind of an issue I have with the movie because Andy was always not playing with them and they were there for him and stuff and Woody wanted to constantly go back to Andy even though he knew they would never get played with and stuff but in this movie he kind of just just like oh yeah Bo convinces me yeah maybe I don't need a kid anymore I'm just a cowboy who can't be taught new tricks and stuff and so he gives that all up to help out Bonnie basically places Jesse and Buzz in charge of the entire thing and now is just helping other toys which great he is still helping toys but he throws away that side of him that is like oh we need to help out the kid that we're assigned to um, I, I can understand why people wouldn't like that, because it does definitely get, like, destroy the entire point of the second movie. Yeah, second, third, and, yeah, Yeah, first. but I, I, to me, it's definitely, like, the second movie, uh, really hard, because, like, he gets taken from Andy by this guy who wants to sell him to oh, yeah. some people in Japan. Uh, and I, I definitely get that, and it is kind of a weird choice to just be like, oh, Woody does this now. Mm -hmm. But I, I, I see it as, like, a, a massive... Uh, like change like progression and character yeah it's progression but it's going the wrong direction because what i would have liked is that say what he does want to leave but he kind of tries to convince bo will come back and just try it and say bo still doesn't like it and she's like well i want to go off and do my own thing and stuff well then maybe that would make more sense where Woody kind of realizes that Bonnie is going to be more of a selective child to her toys and stuff and then Woody's like well Bonnie doesn't like either of us I feel like it's our time to go on and help other toys or maybe find another kid for the two of us and stuff which I would have liked that if Woody was more like well Bo let's try to find a kid that's more neutral likes both of us because they were even getting played with on the playground previously in this movie by that little girl so I feel like that would have made a little more sense than Woody just ultimately being like here's the badge you're the new leader Buzz and Jesse I'm leaving it would have made more sense in that direction to have more of like 
like a Woody realizes Bo isn't getting played with by anybody, but they just kind of quickly gloss over that with Buzz being like, Bonnie will be okay, and then they all, of course, have the very emotional goodbye and stuff, but they could have done this so much better than how John Lasseter and company handled it, because there should have been more of you seeing how Bo Peep can't go back to another girl, or why she feels like she can't go back to another girl after Molly and stuff, but you don't get that. It's more or less just Woody being like, okay, I'm done with Bonnie, but we don't see why, necessarily. Uh... I guess this is kind of uh, where I'll differ because I I do like that okay. whole, that little bit of aspect of Woody changing his uh, like developing as a character and being able to say oh I don't necessarily need to be with a kid mm -hmm. I can go be kind of like a almost a drifter in a way yeah uh, and I I, I kind of like that because it shows that um, Woody cares about like other toys now rather than just himself and his kid, mm -hmm. which... It, but then a, he does abandon the rest of his group, which yeah. is really shitty to me that he would do that. See, I think it's him realizing that his group doesn't need him anymore. It could be, but at the same time, Woody was still there for Andy when Andy didn't need him anymore. But I, I see that as different, because Andy, yeah, Andy didn't need him anymore, but Bonnie was a different case where she has the toys that uh, she needs and she doesn't really, like, care about Woody mm -hmm. Yeah, but Andy didn't care about Woody at one point. Like, he only was going to keep him for college as, like, nostalgia, pretty much. He he still cared about him. A though. little bit, but it was more nostalgia than the other toys, obviously. Yeah, which is why I would say that his the aspect with uh, Andy and uh, Woody is different than Bonnie and Woody. Okay. But you do have to agree that it is a little out of character for Woody. It, it's a weird character change, yeah. yes. But I still, uh, I still like it because okay. it, it it just shows a massive progression. That I I understand why people don't because it's a big change from mm, this. It character. is a leap and bound. Um. So the next character obviously is Bo Peep. So Bo in this movie goes through a bigger drastic change than she was in the first two films. She gets turned more into like a badass female hero in this movie, where she is doing now all of these cool tricks and changes yeah. and stuff. She can now defend herself more. She hasn't got the little bonnet and dress a on Sarah anymore. Sarah Connor type. Yeah, she basically gets turned into a Sarah Connor type, which a lot of people are saying Bo Peep got turned into an SJW character in this movie. And I no. remember watching it and going not necessarily because i think it does make more sense for Bo than woody's change because she's been out there with no kid for years she has felt abandoned and she's had to learn to take care of herself more than woody that's been sheltered by a kid and loved most of his life so to watch Bo like taping tape on her arms and stuff to keep herself together and all of that watching her having to save other toys and trying to find parts that'll keep her together and stuff does make more sense that she's more of a drifter trying to defend herself I, I I get the idea that she's yeah like a Sarah Connor type, but also like the middle-aged mom in the movie who owns a truck. Yeah, a little like skunk. that's just when yeah. I saw her character and the way she acts and stuff. That's just what I thought of for some okay. reason. Um, yeah. So then Keegan Michael Key and Peel are in this movie, and they're the comedic relief of this movie yeah. mostly, and that's pretty much all they are because they get promised at one point, oh yeah, we'll take you to our kid Bonnie, and then by the end they don't really want a kid. They're just like, we'll do whatever with you guys. Yeah, because they, they they see like what kids can do yeah and they're like yeah i don't really want to kid anymore yeah um which it was good to see the two of them come together since probably key and peel i think keanu was another movie that they did together in a collaboration but it's yeah. been a while since they've been together voice acting so that was kind of nice to see the two of them buzz in this movie gets the weirdest arc for me so 
this movie portrays Buzz as more of a dimwit than what he was in two or three because he's like, what's an inner conscience, Woody? What is that yeah, thing inside I, of you? But I feel like Buzz should know that because he's had so much time exposed to them. And then a majority of the movie is him just pressing a button, whatever it says, and going and doing it. And I'm like, but Buzz isn't an idiot. I, I We've been past yeah. this. He's not an I, idiot anymore. I, I, I found that... That I probably liked that uh, less than I like. I hated that more than I did yeah. the whole Woody thing because that was just so out of character for Buzz. Because he's developed more than that. He's become this like we saw it in Toy Story three. He becomes this kind of like leader character mm-hmm. who's supposed to be like kind of smart. But in this movie, they just turn him like you said into a dimwit. He's pressing that button. In a way, he's supposed to be like this kind of comedic relief. Which yeah, I just don't get it. I, I don't get it either because. I don't know whether John Lasseter and company didn't understand Buzz as a character because, yes, when he's factory reset mode Buzz, he is mortal. He's really stupid. But yeah. this is the Buzz Lightyear that has learned. He's got his memories and stuff with all of them. He knows about Andy, he's, he's obviously. He's been an intelligent yeah. for, what, 20 years now? Yeah, <laughs> and now to strip that all away and go, Buzz doesn't know what an inner conscience is and he's just going to press buttons and run off and be stupid, I don't buy that. I, I really have a hard time buying that. I don't know if this that. was just their way of like getting at Tim Allen to like piss him off or what i don't know (laughs) i remember tim said he wasn't happy with what buzz had to do in the movie but i kind of agree with that tim to a a certain extent because you really should have gotten more out of buzz i i I feel like like because tim allen had a controversy like about a year before this movie so Mm -hmm. a year and a half so i feel like this was just disney's way of being like fuck you tim allen yeah i know because he's obviously doing like that last man standing tv show which is a pretty good yeah he's an uber conservative and disney was like Tim, how could you be that? Yeah, how could like, you say you're a it, conservative? It was just the biggest middle finger to yeah. Tim Allen, and I, I was not a fan of it. Yeah, um, All of the other toy characters pretty much stay true. One thing I wish they would have done is, and you might disagree with me here, I wish they wouldn't have had Mr. Potato Head in it. Oh, because, Don Rickles being dead? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. because I feel like they, they could have been like, oh, she gave the toy to another kid or something, because... I get it. They did dig through all this old recorded mm-hmm. audio, but it feels kind of disrespectful to that, God. That's what I have a big issue with. The rest of the toys have nothing to do in this movie. Yeah. That is a big issue because every one of them has had an integral part in the past films, but they all get sidelined. And I get it. It's in favor of, like, Don Rickles was dead and couldn't do Potato Head. Uh, the voice actor that did Rex was probably a bit older and couldn't be there for his high-energy voice acting and stuff. The yeah. actor that plays Slinky is fairly, like, old but not too old, and I figured, like, he's, he could have done really more. He's not playing anything energetic, though. He's just yeah, like this uh, more passive, slow talking, yeah. almost like cowboy dog character. Yeah, the woman that plays Mrs. Potato Head is probably in her late eight nineties and stuff because they couldn't have her scream she, as much. She's uh, very old. Yeah, too. Um, yeah, but yeah, like all of the old characters get sidelined. Besides, like Jesse, who actually does like one thing in the movie, which is pop the tire, and then that's it. That's yeah. about all she does. Which again feels like Jesse didn't have to be in this movie. She- Basically. Any one of those characters you could have just not had in this movie, and I would have been fine with, rather than just having them sit there and do nothing. Because Disney, it, like I said, this would have been better as a Woody standalone movie. Yeah. You don't need the toys if they're not going to do anything, and they do do nothing in this movie outside of Buzz and Jesse. And so why are they even here? I get it, marketing purposes, sell a lot of merchandise and stuff, but if your characters have nothing to do, don't put them in the movie, which is stupid. That, or don't make the movie centric on the things they previously mm-hmm. been. Like, yeah. If they would have called this movie Woody, I feel like it would have been more okay because yeah. it's a Woody-based movie, but they're calling it Toy Story, which has 
we all know Toy Story is the toy-based film. That is true. And Woody would have been like, oh, it's based around Woody, but the other guys are there for mm-hmm. kind of a support thing. Yeah, if it was like Buzz that's there, yes, that does make more sense that he'd be there to find Woody and stuff. But to have the other characters, it, no, I, I just don't buy it. So to get into the villain Gabby Gabby, who's not really a villain, but... um, She's kind of a villain kinda, at first, at first but yeah. as it progresses, you, you feel... you. You're supposed to become sympathetic for her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so at first she is really haunting and stuff because she's like more of a puppet kind of doll, but not in the certain extent she's of the, the little... She's Annabelle. Yeah, of the little uh, like ventriloquist, ventriloquist dummies. dummies that walk around and are horrifying and stuff. Um, Because the first time you meet her is you go on a carriage ride, go by the shining music that plays in the background. Great homage right there. I love that. Um, So then she's talking like, may I ask when you were made? And he's like, oh, late 50s and stuff. She's like, me too. I wonder if we have the same voice box. And it's just like more creepily that she's getting into it and stuff. Like my record works, but the voice box is busted. And then what he's like, oh, we should really leave. And then all of the other dummies come in. She's like, you can't leave. You have something I need. And so Woody kind of gets that sense of eeriness with Forky in the antique shop and stuff. He ends up losing Forky and getting out of there. But um, what I like about her the rest of the film is you don't really see her as bad because she's not like Lotso or Stinky Pete to where she's just plain mean to Forky. She just sympathizes with him more about how she never got a kid and stuff. There's this one girl named Harmony she wants to impress, but without the voice box, she feels like she can't do anything. Yeah, and uh, the, the character of Gabby Gabby, she... Not really, like like we said, not really a villain, and if she is supposed to be a villain at first, not a very good one, mm-hmm. because all they're going for with her is creepy, yeah. so I'm do glad, I am glad that they progress her into a more sympathetic character that you are supposed to care about more, but in the long run, I, I, I really do didn't uh find a need to care about her character mm, after yeah it's, we found out what happens with her yeah the biggest issue i had was that woody makes a big sacrifice in giving up his voice box i'm like yeah. okay so this is gonna play like an integral part and i thought at first when i first originally watched him like are they gonna do a cop-out where like the girl doesn't care i'm like but disney usually does sweet things like this i don't see him yeah. but they did go forward with it i'm like okay so what's gonna happen is woody's gonna give a pep talk she's gonna be like okay i'll go with you and then i think she i was like i predicted it was either she does go with Bonnie or some little girl finds her. And I think I whispered that to a friend and he's like, I think you're right. And it did happen in the movie. I was like, ah, so Disney went more of the cheap way out. So the sacrifice Woody makes with his voice box almost is for nothing for me because I get it. Gabby Gabby was having this whole buildup to like, hey, this little girl, this little Harmony, she cares a whole lot about her, but then Harmony doesn't care. And then she finds this other little girl that's scared and stuff, and the voice box does come in handy there and stuff. But at the same time, you could have just simply had, like, more development for her to realize she doesn't need Harmony. Any little girl can do, because... When she's so harmony focused and then is heartbroken that she's not needed by her anymore, I was like, I don't really care that much because you shouldn't have been so focused on one little girl because you should have been open to the yeah. possibility of there are so many kids or, out there. Or if anything, they could have made her even like a bigger villain after oh, yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Made her be like, oh no, you can't leave now. You have to help me find my new kid yeah. and stuff. Like it, the way that they handle her character after she just gets dropped by Harmony, because mm-hmm. Harmony's just like meh, yeah. drops her, and it's just like. She's upset now. Like, that's the only character progression she gets after that, which is just 
boring. It is really boring, yeah. Um, but anyways, another thing about the movie that was uh, interesting to me is that Bo Peep and uh, Woody go back and forth the entire film, and they yeah. talk about the whole, oh, I don't need a kid. Well, you should still care for a kid and stuff, because Woody even tells uh, this Giggle McDimple's character and stuff, like, oh, when uh, Molly was really little, she was a care uh, scared of the dark, she cried herself to sleep and all that, but then Bo's Peep, uh, Bo Peep's lamp came in and stuff, and she would rest her hand on Bo's foot and stuff, and everything would be good, yeah. uh, but then she's going on about how like kids are just kind of rotten they don't really care about you past a certain age and stuff why go be with a new kid when you can help other toys and stuff when you've kind of served your purpose and all that and what he doesn't see it as that which is what i've always liked about him where he's like well that shouldn't be the case because once annie moved on we found a little girl and even after bonnie they'd probably move on and find another girl to play with and stuff and he's like there isn't an end necessarily for you bo but bo's like nah it is the end and stuff and then ultimately that gets into woody's mind where he's like you know, maybe there is no purpose for me in the end and stuff. I should just help other toys, which, again, is why I find the whole buying Woody just giving up on kids and stuff hard and more or less helping toys. But it was a great dynamic back and forth to watch the two of them debate that the entire film and stuff. And then finally, in the end, of course, Woody does take both side and stuff and leaves all of them for leadership and all that. It was a great dynamic there, especially because you still do get the lovey-dovey-isms that are between the two. Yeah, it's like... If in the first movie, Woody's like all flustered or whatever, Bo Peep talks to him, and that's kind of how he is at first. But then, as it goes on, they're like becoming more comfortable talking to each other, mm -hmm. and I, I do like their character aspect. Uh, they they do have a good progression in this movie, especially to the end. I think the like Bo kind of being one of the driving forces for Woody. Yeah, it was it was like it was a happy sweet. way to do yeah, it. Yeah, it was sweet. Um. So, I guess I'll touch now on, like, how this movie kind of wraps up and stuff. So, like I said, after Gabby Gabby gets the voice box and stuff, and it all kind of goes to crap and stuff, um, obviously, they're trying to race back to Bonnie because they're leaving, and uh, Duke Kaboom, which I guess we kind of forgot about Keanu playing Duke Kaboom in this movie. Yeah, which was, he was another one of the, like, Comedic funny relief. side characters, yeah. and I, 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 I liked it. it yeah, was it, was just, it was a funny backstory where it's like, he, on, on commercial, Duke Kaboom yeah. can jump through this hoop, and he falls off the track and stuff. He's like, but it's a commercial, Rajon, doesn't make sense yeah. and so that was kind of nice because like even in the movie that's brought back where he can't make the jump because Rajan shows up and stuff but then by the ending he makes the jump I was like yeah it's probably gonna happen he, he makes the jump but like smashes his head into a light yeah. bulb when he does it yeah uh but yeah Keanu Reeves is great in this movie too and stuff but uh as they race back and stuff this is finally where we see the end of Woody so uh, he basically tells Bo goodbye and stuff, and he walks back all sad, and that's where Buzz is like, oh, it'll be okay, Bonnie will be okay, and then all of them come out and see Bo and all of them, they give Woody a big hug goodbye, the car turns on, and they're very quickly separated, and they drive off with, uh, of course, Rex being like, Woody's a lost toy, and Buzz is like, he's not lost, and stuff like that, he goes, he's been found, he has somebody to care about, and all of that, and then, of course, it ends with To Infinity and Beyond, and the movie wraps up in that capacity, and we get the end credits, like most of these movies, where it's just, What's Woody and them doing? Okay, what's uh, Buzz and all them doing? And, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I uh, I did really like this movie. I liked the character of Forky, which we didn't really get to hit on. Yeah, uh, his trash thing became annoying after a while to me, where it was all he kept saying. But when he finally does wake up and realize he's more than that, I like that. Because at first the whole, I'm trash, I'm going to keep throwing myself away, was just so, like... I thought it was a cute character. Little little kids will laugh at that, because, oh, he's going to throw himself in the trash can, but... Are you implying that I'm a little kid? Because I thought it was a cute, <laughs> fun character, Hayden. You know who else says cute Facebook grandmas when they describe this Are movie? you implying that I'm a Facebook grandma? Maybe. Um, but yeah, I it am. is it is a cute movie. Uh, like, I think this is kind of a nice ending to Woody as a character, but again, it's a Toy Story movie, it doesn't make sense, and you didn't need the characters. Um... 
So I'm gonna kind of wrap it up here, yeah, I guess. Final thoughts. Yeah. Now. Um. So like I said, this movie would have been better as like a more Woody-focused film without the Toy Story characters. Buzz really has nothing to do in this movie. He gets turned into an idiot. Gabby, Gabby's not really that great of a villain, and you don't feel bad for her for the choices that she makes in the movie, especially Woody's sacrifice being for nothing. Ultimately, all of the characters in this movie, outside of uh, Woody, Buzz, Bo Peep, and the rest of them, really have nothing to do and shouldn't have been in the movie at all. It's a little tasteless to me that they even uh, had them in this movie. The other ones I'm a little bit more okay with. The only one that I have a major issue with is Mr. Potato Head. I do have an issue with all of them being there because they have That's nothing fine. to yeah, do. That's fine. Yeah, I understand that. Um, yeah, um, I think the animation is good, but again, that shouldn't detract from the story and how basic it can get at times, which, you know, is an issue that I had with this movie not being as complex as it could as the past three movies and stuff. But this movie was still a very good wrap-up, I guess I would say. Again, I would have appreciated it if it was just titled Woody. Again, last film John Lasseter worked on and stuff, I guess good job john maybe but i can't really praise you because you're kind of a horrible human being um i gave this movie i think a seven when it came out i'm gonna keep it at that because that's how i feel about this movie it's just good but it's not as great as the previous movies uh i i i did really enjoy this movie i thought the ending was uh pretty sad i i liked most of the characters for the most part it it is disappointing that all of the other toys got left to the wayside for all these new toys mm-hmm um, I, I would have liked it better if they just didn't have Mr. Potato Head in it, because it just feels disrespectful to Don Rickles. Uh, I, I, I do kind of agree with you that the other toys maybe just shouldn't have been in the movie, because it does feel tasteless. Yeah. But, uh, like I said, it's, like, the one I have the biggest issue with is Mr. Potato Head. Yeah. Uh, Buzz being dumb, I wasn't a fan of. I, I, I... I did like the progression of Woody uh, to the end of the movie. I think I'm going to say this movie for me is also like a seven. Okay. Yeah. Um, Not so, as good as the first three. Yeah. Uh, this concludes the Toy Story franchise. Um, so next is the Coen Brothers film. We, we, yeah, we're, we're thinking of uh, ideas for the next podcast. I think we have talked about the next one being Coen Brothers, which is well, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou, mm-hmm. The Big Lebowski, mm-hmm. um, No Country for Old Men, no Country for Old Men, and then the True Grit remake, which yeah. is going to be one of the, the oddball, I think. Yeah, uh, a lot of people also have said, why not Fargo? And yeah, I love Fargo, but there are just a lot of great films. Like I, The reason I picked True Grit is the controversy was the John Wayne film is better. Yeah. And so uh, I figured we'd just do that one. And then uh, No Country for Old Men, everybody knows Javier is just wonderful in that movie um then big lebowski everybody loves a stoner film and then uh of course uh is brian's personal favorite i I think so far but um yeah so that's the reason we picked those and not like fargo which yeah if we were doing like five which i feel like would be way too much uh we would include fargo because i do love fargo it's a great movie but um we were just thinking more or less like here are the films that like we personally would care more about talking about and stuff whereas like fargo we'd probably say for like another day because fargo does have like a tv show now The, the big lebowski i would say the, uh, one of the main reasons is because like that's one of the most iconic ones that's mm-hmm. the one that everyone knows it has like yeah. a whole religion based around it yeah. and stuff uh no country for old men that one I, as far as i can tell was really popular like oh, i it, i remember seeing it be talked about and stuff yeah it was huge uh no country for, I, I already mentioned that one true grit i think the reason we kind of talked about that one was because yeah it, it is the remake of the uh, john wayne classic but also it's the oddball it's like the one of the most controversial movies that mm-hmm. they've made. Yeah. And then, like I said, uh, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? I just love that movie. I, I really... Yeah. Uh, it's it's a close one to my family because we all really like it. Also, the bluegrass music in it. Really mm-hmm. good. 
Um, so that's kind of what we have going on for the next podcast. And then we have one planned after that, I believe, which is King Kong. Yeah. Which this one's pretty interesting. It's the original King Kong, which is like 1933, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, the 1976 King Kong, which I believe is not that well known. Because I don't know if you'd heard about it before I started telling you about Jeff it. Jeff Bridges and all them. Yeah, I, I saw it back on a few years ago on Netflix when Netflix was still like the red and gray. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's that one, which takes place at the Twin Towers. There's the 2005 one, which I believe is one of the most iconic ones. It's really long. Mm-hmm. And then there's Kong's Skull Island. So we're going to kind of watch all four of those, do a bit of a comparison for them. And then uh, after that, we aren't entirely sure what we want. I know we talked about doing a Tarantino one, but that one's going to probably take a while because all of his movies are pretty long. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure if Hayden has any other ideas for my podcast. Yeah, I think at some point we'll probably discuss what we want to do after King Kong and then be like, okay, here's what we're doing and stuff. So uh, there is like a plethora of suggestions that come in and stuff like, would we do the Sam Raimi trilogy? Would we do the Dark Knight trilogy? Would we do... Wait, uh, which Sam Raimi trilogy? The <laughs> Evil Dead or Spider-Man? Spider-Man, of course. Um, uh, what was another one that got suggested? Indiana Jones is still being tabled currently. I don't know if all three are on Netflix still. I would assume they are. Um, uh, the Lord of the Rings trilogy, which would take a very long time. We're saving that for a very special. Man, oh man, would I love to watch Return of the King again. I love that movie, but it is like four hours long. Um... Oh, what's another thing I guess I would talk about? Uh, there has also been a suggestion that we do, like, the lesser-known DreamWorks movies. Uh, so, like, Shark Tale, Over the Hedge, the B-movie. Talk about are they actually good or bad. Um, I which go. <laughs> Shark Tale, nah, I'm already gonna say I don't like it. Um, yeah, it has but, Martin Scorsese in it. Yeah, he plays Sykes, the yo-yo-yo dude, so... But it has Martin Scorsese. Yeah, it does have Martin Scorsese. They're, they're for some masterpiece. masterpiece. Um, yeah, but those are just kind of tabled suggestions for as of right now. Yeah. We might even do like a Martin Scorsese episode. Now yeah, that there could be. Yeah. That would be a pretty cool one to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, that's kind of the rough future of the podcast. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to our Toy Story opinions. Uh, check us out in the future.